1: And right now, ruffling and shuffling the papers, as always, on his microphone. Don't do that! Here's Dr. History. Well, I had
0: page number two where number three should have been, and I had to, anyway, just some quick shuffling.
1: Believe me, your wife and family have told me for years that you've always had page number two and number three mixed up. <laughs> That's true, it's true. Hey, speaking about the Oakley... Uh...
0: Pioneer Day thing. Do they still have that Pony Express race?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Okay, uh-uh. you no. know years.
1: That, I used to be a part of that. Years, I mean, announced it years and years ago. Okay, well, it used to go from Burley to Oakley. Did yeah. you know that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then it went to a course around. Yeah, the, like a two and a half mile course. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Now that we've got that taken care of, he's right. now reshuffled his papers, and by all means and methods, we are on We're page ready number to one. Roll. Okay,
0: <laughs> now you asked me last week after we talked about the Battle of the Alamo about another battle, and I think this is a battle that is probably the least understood of how important it was and yet it had one of the biggest effects on the United States of any battle that took place in the United States
1: uh Ever. Almost. You won't believe this, but um, it's been quite a few years ago. I ran into a high school history teacher in Utah. I'm not going to mention the city. I'm not going to mention the circumstance or anything else because I don't want to embarrass him. But we were talking about history and some of my favorite parts of history and everything, and I talked about Texas independence and the Battle of Valamo and then, of course, the Battle of San Jacinto. And he looked at me with a vague stare and here was a history teacher that didn't know about that battle. <laughs> well, they're
0: going to know about it today. Okay. So we're going to talk about a gentleman that his name is. Now I want you to pay attention, Zeb. Uh,
1: I'm paying. Uh, okay.
0: Okay. Are you ready? I'm
1: writing Cause it because
0: you need to repeat this. Yes. Antonio D. Padua Maria Severino Lopez D. Santa Ana E. Perez D. Lebron. LeBron James. Or, in other words, Santa Ana. How's that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's stick with Santa Ana. Okay,
0: we'll stick with Santa Ana. Now, you know, he's sometimes called the Napoleon Napoleon of Mexico. He was a Mexican dictator, general, 11-time president who actually had a lot of influence on early Mexican politics and government.
1: And he was a coward.
0: Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Yeah, but Santa Ana fought first against Mexican independence from Spain. Then he switched and went in support of it. Now, he was not the first military leader of Mexico, but he was among the earliest. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was general and president several times over a pretty rough 40-year period. He was president on 11 non-consecutive occasions over a period of 22 years. He actually was a wealthy landowner. He built a firm political base in the major port of Veracruz. I've never been there, but, uh, you know, I've heard about it. But uh, he was the hero of the army. He got sought glory for himself and his army and repeatedly rebuilt it after major losses. And he actually was a brave soldier and a cunning politician. He so dominated his era that historians often called it the age of Santa Ana. Now, with that, thought that he was a brave soldier, when we get to the end, we'll
1: maybe question that. Maybe when he had gatherings around him.
0: (laughs) That will keep that in mind, folks. (laughs) Anyway, historians report that, uh, you know, uh, his military failures resulted in Mexico losing just over half of its territory, uh, beginning with the Texas Revolution and culminating with the Mexican secession in 1848. Now, Santa Ana was born in Veracruz uh, in 1794, and he came from a respected Spanish colonial family. He and his parents, uh, they belonged to a a high class, uh, and they were from European descent, uh, but born in America, in the Americas. Uh, Santa Ana's parents were wealthy enough to send their son to school. And in 1810, 16-year-old Santa Anna joined the Infantry Regiment as a cadet against the wishes of his parents. They wanted him to go into something else, yeah. anything besides military. Yeah. So 1810. Uh, that same year, Mexico's first attempt to gain independence from Spain, Santa Ana joined the colonial Spanish army. Santa Ana was wounded in the left arm or hand somewhere right in there by an arrow during this campaign. And in 1813, Santa Ana served in Texas at the Battle of Medina, in which he was, again, he was cited for bravery, Zeb.
1: Really? Yeah. It's hard to believe.
0: Uh, it is, because when we get to the end of the story... But anyway, he was promoted quickly. He became a second lieutenant in February 1812 and first lieutenant before the end of the year. Now, he was only 18, 18 years old at this time.
1: Yeah, and that's, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. I was really shocked when you said his age because I didn't know he was that young at the Battle of the Alamo. Yeah. Only 40.
0: And he lived to be about 80. Really? Yeah. Yep. But anyway, during the next few years in which the war for independence reached a stalemate, Santa Ana erected villages for displaced citizens near the city of Veracruz. He also pursued gambling, which was a vice that would follow him throughout his life. Hmm. In 18, He was the one that wrote the bad check at Jackpot. He could have done. <laughs> he got, it bounced. But in 1816, Santa Ana was promoted to captain. He conducted occasional campaigns to suppress the Indians or restore order. Now, the Spanish territory extended, at, and this is what I think people need to pay attention to, to Oregon in the north and Panama in the south. And it was a huge territory uh, for the Spanish crown to kind of keep it under control. Now, here we are. He's 27 years old. It's 1821. Santa Ana declared his loyalty to the future emperor of Mexico, Really, and he rose to prominence by quickly driving Spanish forces out of the vital port city of Veracruz. Hmm. Well, he was rewarded with the rank of general. Santa Ana kind of exploited his situation for personal gain. He acquired a large hacienda and at the same time continued gambling.
1: Oh, boy. So he
0: that was throughout his life.
1: Seven yeah. come eleven.
0: <laughs> yeah. But like other states uh, discontented with the central Mexican authorities, the Texas Department of the Mexican state rebelled in late 1835 and declared itself independent in
1: 1836. Let me ask you a question there. In regards to the Americans that had land purchased down in that area, Galveston and around Houston and everywhere else, and San Antonio, basically wasn't the uh, demise of the Mexican uh, control there due to the fact that more landowners were coming in? It was, and... I personally have a friend
0: whose family had a large ranch down this down there uh, he, Mexican descent, and they were basically driven out and off their land, some of them killed so there was a You know, it was not a good thing, really, down there. But anyway, Santa Ana marched north to bring Texas back under Mexican control by a show, show of brute force. His expedition posed challenges of manpower, supply, strategy, which was far beyond what he was prepared for, and it ended in disaster. Now, to fund, organize, and equip his army, he relied, as he often did, on forcing wealthy men to provide loans. Really? He recruited sweeping up a lot of derelicts, ex-convicts, as well as Indians who could not understand Spanish commands. And he
1: put them in the military. In the, in the military. Really?
0: And the Indians didn't understand Spanish. So, not well Run! thought out. Run! Which way? <laughs> yeah. You know, but his army suffered from the cold as well as shortages of food, uh, stretching a supply. How come they didn't have more people go AWOL? <laughs> I bet they did. <laughs> we just don't know how many. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they had a... Supply line that was far longer than ever before. He lacked enough horses, mules, cattle, and wagons. He had too little feed uh, or food. And, of course, the morale sank among the soldiers. Uh, and, you know, if you were a straggler, that wasn't good because sometimes the Indians would attack the stragglers.
1: Well, let me ask you were they as ragtag as you make them out to be? Because in the movies and Hollywood portrayal, they all look so staunch and right. so.
0: Well, and I think there was an elite group that did attack the Alamo, and we talked about that last week, an elite group of, of uh, military, uh, of the Army. But a lot of them were not, too. So, anyway, the you know, a lot of the men got sick because they drank poor water. Uh, Santa Ana was totally confident that a show of force and a few massacres, like at the Alamo, and another one called the Goliad.
1: Yes, the Goliad Massacre. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And... You'd think that would have the rebels begging for mercy. So, 1836, at the Battle of the Alamo, of course, Santa Anna's forces killed 189 Texan defenders and later executed more than 342 Texan prisoners at the
1: Goliad Massacre. Right. So, you know, everybody forgets about that, and they think that the... And, Deanne, could you come in here for a second, please? They think that the Alamo and the deaths at the Alamo was kind of uh, the culmination. No, it wasn't. No,
0: no, they... The the cry was, remember the Alamo and the Goliad. Right. But uh, the defeat at the Alamo did serve its purpose, uh, buying time for General Sam Houston and his Texas forces. But Houston and his soldiers defeated Santa Ana's much larger army at the Battle of San Jacinto. And that's what we're going to talk about. But in 1836, with the Texans shouting, remember Goliad, remember the Alamo. Right. Right. So. So now we're going to get right into the battle of San San Jacinto.
1: Now, maybe give us a little preference uh, in education here as to who led the battle, who was in charge of leading the attack on Santa Ana.
0: Well, uh, Sam Houston. Right. General. Okay. So uh, it was fought in April 21st, 1836, and it's in present-day Harris County, Texas. And I... Don't know where that's at, but anyway, it was a decisive battle of the Texas Revolution led led by, as I mentioned, General Sam Houston. The Texan army engaged and defeated Santa Ana's Mexican army, and I get this, Ed, in a fight that lasted just 18 minutes.
1: You know, and this is the Hollywood portrayal of this, and there's been quite a few movies about the demise of Santa Ana, but... The um, Texicans were all around the Mexican soldiers, and why didn't somebody have uh, some scouts or something out from the Mexican army? They were totally caught with their pants down, if you will.
0: There were about 630 of the Mexican soldiers were killed, 730 captured, and only nine of the Texicans or Texans died. But. If we go back a year before this in 1835, you know, the Texans rebelled against the Mexican government of Santa Ana because he rescinded the democratic constitution of 1824, which actually meant that they dissolved Mexico's Congress and state legislatures and asserted dictator control over the nation. Yeah. So Santa yeah. Ana became a dictator and the people in at that time, in t- the Texas area didn't want to have a dictator. He kind of did it to himself. Yeah. So hundreds of volunteers from the United States of America headed into the fledgling Republic of Texas right. to help in the quest for independence. And two full regiments of those volunteers were soon organized to help out the regular Texas Army. Under so we, Sam
1: Houston, right? Yeah, so yeah. we had
0: a great group of, of men headed yeah. down there.
1: They were mad. They were.
0: So, in 1836, Santa Ana led a force of about 6,000 Mexican troops into what is now Texas, to put down the insurrection. And as we mentioned, he first entered San Antonio, and after a 13-day siege, defeated and killed the Texan force at the Alamo. Doesn't
1: that amaze you, though, as a student of history, that 5,000 troops, I think, were at the Battle of the Alamo against 189? Right. And it took 13 days? And it may have been 6,000. Yeah. 5 or 6,000. And then they
0: defeated and captured and executed the survivors of the second battle near Gold. Goliad, right. and I'm, this is a little bit gory, Zeb, but I, I think we need to put it in here. Santa Ana ordered the Goliad prisoners to be shot or bayoneted. Yeah. There was a Mexican general named uh, Arreia, Arreia, and he resisted the orders at first and sent a special message to Santa Anna to confirm the order, which Santa Ana did. He upheld this order. Well... The problem of how to a- execute over 300 prisoners, uh, you know, to do so, uh, there there was those that were unable to walk and were told that they were being moved under guard to a new location. As the prisoners were being led down the road in three columns between two lines of guards, the Mexican soldiers opened fire. Out of 303 Texan prisoners, 28 actually escaped. Wow. Uh, you know, a, a sad part of this Wilson, whole thing. Gruesome. Of the remaining 40 Texans who were unable to walk, 39 were shot and killed in the fort after the others had left.
1: You know, and right there, uh, with my uh, upbringing, uh, what Santa Hanna got was not tough enough. No, no.
0: Well, so 342 prisoners executed. that's, That's sick. So, now, I know we've only got a few minutes left, so I'm going to get right into the battle itself. At 4.30 p.m. on April 21st, a scout announced the burning of a, a bridge called Vincent's Bridge. Okay. Now, this cut off the only avenue of reinforcement and retreat for both armies right. without having to cross the river, which is more than 10 feet deep. Right. Now, the main Texan battle line moved forward with their approach. They were screened by trees and rising ground, and emerging from the woods, the order was given to advance. Now, S- General Houston, Sam Houston, personally led the infantry. He did, yeah. Now there were two small brass uh, smoothbore artillery pieces, uh, and they were known as the Twin Sisters, and they were wheeled forward to be used. 61 Texas cavalrymen; they planned to circle into the Mexicans' left flank. The Texan militia moved quickly and silently across the high grass plain, and then, when they were only a few dozen yards away, charged Santa Ana's camp yelling and shouting, remember the Alamo, remember Goliad. Right. And they only stopped a few yards uh, from the Mexicans to open fire. And there's a guy named Manuel Flores is credited for taking the lead in the charge against Santa Anna's army. But during the charge the Texans fired and fell to the ground uh, expecting a volley from the Mexican camp. They expected some
1: de- defense. It didn't come.
0: But this Flores, he this guy was a brave guy. He stood standing and challenged the Texan army to get up and advance. Okay, so this guy is standing up. Yeah. And all of his troops are laying down shooting, yeah. and he says, get up, you guys. Let's go. Let's go. So, anyway, the Texans... <laughs> then they charge. Then they charge. But the Texans achieved complete surprise, a bold attack in broad daylight. Uh, his success can be attributed to, in good part, to Santa Ana's relaxed vigilance due to the superior numbers that he had. He didn't figure he had any. Nobody was going to attack them, you know. But so they were not prepared. They were unarmed. Some of them had wives uh, even in this camp. Uh, Some of them were gathering firewood. Some of them were eating. Uh, You know, they desperately tried to mount an attack, which didn't work. Anyway, so there's hundreds of demoralized and confused Mexican soldiers were routed with a lot of them being driven into the marshes. Uh, The Texans chased after them. Uh, Some of them actually dove into the stream. Yep. And then uh, there was a general, Juan Almonte, who commanded what was left of the Mexican resistance, and he surrendered 400 men. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Now, during this short but furious fighting, Houston was shot in the left ankle. Two of his horses were shot out from under him. That's true. And Santa Ana escaped. Okay. Again, the combat lasted 18 minutes. The Texan militia had won a a great victory, taking all these prisoners. Now, here's the interesting part. Oh,
1: where where did Santa Ana go? (laughs)
0: Santa Ana disappeared during the battle.
1: Imagine that.
0: And evaded discovery by shedding his ornate uniform for that of a common soldier. Now... Some have also indicated. He dressed up as a woman. That he may have dressed as a woman. That's right. Okay. Anyway, a search party was sent out the next morning, and when surrounded in high grass and compelled to surrender, Santa Anna. Oh,
1: senor! Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, Santa Anna was initially thought to be a common soldier. However, when he was saluted as El Presidente. By other prisoners, his true identity was discovered by the Texans.
1: That's like that TV commercial on television. You know the guy that holds up the wrong uh, sword shield and says, "Where's the guy that's in charge?" <laughs>
0: I don't know that. Oh one. yeah, I'll tell you. Okay. That, so anyway, Houston Sam Houston spared his life, preferring to negotiate. Uh, so withdrawal from Texas of Santa Anna's remaining columns, and this is the major thing that happens, Eb. The results, okay? San Jacinto was one of the decisive battles of the world because the freedom of Texas from Mexico won here by, led by annexation, resulting in the acquisition by the United States of Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, right. Nevada, California, right. Utah, parts of Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, and Oklahoma.
1: I think that was called, now help me on this if if I'm wrong, the Treaty of Hidalgo. That sounds right. I think I'm right on that. Yeah, uh, Yeah.
0: but almost one-third of the present area of of America a million nearly a million square miles changed sovereignty with that battle
1: that's right and the signing of that treaty yeah Yeah.
0: so you know again it's a a battle that i think is neglected but this guy went on to live for 40 more years he was about 80 when he died, right and why
1: didn't they take him as a political prisoner or whatever and lock him up for the crimes that he committed you know
0: that's a good question but uh let's see, he was born in 1794, yeah. died in 1876. So what's that, about 78, yeah. 78? Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I'm just amazed that they didn't uh, do more to that guy.
0: Well, when you think about war... Did he die a poor man? I don't know that. Uh, I don't know.
1: I heard that he lived in a very, very uh, low-quality dwelling, and that's all I know about.
0: Well, he completely lost... The Mexican people completely lost their faith in him, I yeah, mean, absolutely. after yeah. losing not only battle, but losing a million acres of uh, uh, the so no, the western... So
1: remember the Alamo. And
0: the Goliad.
1: There you go. Which the Goliad was really probably more gruesome. You did an excellent job on that recap for this week.
0: Well, thank you, Zeb. I, uh, you know, growing up, you hear the stories of Sam Houston and yep. Davy Crockett and Jim and yep. You know, and we all remember the Alamo, but... Uh,
1: uh, and a lot of people just don't seem to understand or want to remember that there was a treaty signed for those land takings, and it was called, I think, and again, I'll stand corrected if I'm wrong, the Treaty of Hidalgo. 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 I'll, I'll yeah. Look that up and see. Yeah, please. That is for okay. sure. Hey, good job. Thank, Thank you, Thank you Dad. very much. Dr. History every Tuesday right here.